This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. It is Kenny and Heilprin podcast special. Again, obviously, no live show with the Brewers playing later tonight. Zach Heilprin, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Ben. So I, I figure like this is a podcast, so it's not on radio. There's no call letters or call numbers. I am going to say, though, since this is only on the podcast feed uh, at Kenny and Heilprin, rate, review, subscribe, do all that stuff. I figure going forward, if you want us to talk anything going into the summer, whether it's about this team, looking backwards, previous teams, program as a whole, if you leave a five-star review, I can nearly... And by nearly, I mean 98%, despite Zach's veto power. I guarantee you we will answer it. Five-star review with the question, the comment, whatever it is, uh, up on the podcast page. We will definitely get to it in a future show as the dog days of summer continue. So, Zach? imagine uh, No, just a second. Imagine thinking that I would be the one that turned down engagement as opposed to you. Like, come on now. You are a noted person that does not take phone calls. We've had phone calls our entire these first three months. You've taken one. So I think the uh, I, I think people that would that don't get their question answered. Look at Ben. Look at Ben first, please. Well, in my defense, the timing of the show, not the best. Sometimes there have been calls while we're in the middle of a very captivating and interesting conversation. <laughs> there are a lot okay. of factors that go into it. I will say also for the first couple of weeks. There was a certain reason I wasn't going to answer the calls <laughs> that you and I both know that we don't have to really get into, but there are reasons behind most of the things I do. Um, but yeah, if a five-star review on the podcast page with whatever comment you want answered and we can craft a show around it as we get into June and July. So Zach, we ended our last show and without knowing what would come this week, but we're talking about Jesse Temple's State of the Program article in The Athletic. Again, great article. Everyone should go read it. And we did a little rapid fire of what we think, if we had to guess today, Wisconsin's record would be at the end of the regular season. And we both said nine and three. Now, interesting enough, we didn't get into it much past that. Interesting enough, betonline.ag earlier this week put out win totals for the college football season. And Wisconsin's was set at eight and a half. So you and I both thought at first glance that they would go over. But I ask you first, what were your first thoughts when you saw this, the first Vegas win total for Wisconsin season? I mean, it certainly would appear that they do not uh, think that there's a lot of greatness in this Wisconsin team. Eight and a half, is it seems low. And I think... I, I, I've never, maybe you can answer this for me. It's just the regular season, right? Or is it, are they including potential Big Ten championship game and and bowl game in that as well? No, it's always the 12 game regular season. Cool, cool. That's right. Okay, that's what I thought. Wanted to make sure before I said this. I, I, you know, when that came out and we, you mentioned, we talked about it last week. I can kind of see, I I see six wins, right? Like I see six wins that they're going to get. And I don't know if we want to get into this right away, but that's what I, when I immediately thought eight and a half, I'm like, all right, well, they don't expect greatness. So I went back and looked at the schedule went, went you know, game by game. And you would think that they're going to be three, you know, for the, through the first three, right? So they go to Ohio state undefeated, likely lose to Ohio state, come home. They beat Illinois, right? 
We expect that to happen. So that's four wins. Wisconsin at Northwestern, always tough. So I'm not necessarily counting that as a win yet, even though Northwestern, I don't think will be considered among the favorites or even to, you know, right there to challenge Wisconsin, but I'm not considering that a a guaranteed win just because Wisconsin's struggles down there Uh, at Michigan state, not counting that as a win. Purdue is a win in my books. That's five Maryland's win. That's six. And then the last three you're at Iowa at Nebraska home to Minnesota. Uh, Any of those three, a guaranteed win in your mind? No, not, not even close. So, all right, so you got six wins that I think is like the minimum that Wisconsin gets this year. I think the minimum is six. So can they find three others in the other six to get past that eight and a half? I think that they can. Uh, of those games that are remaining, I think Northwestern probably be the one I, I, I feel best about. And then it would probably be Minnesota at home. Um, at Iowa, at Michigan State, at Ohio State, and then the wild card is Nebraska. Are they gonna? Are they actually gonna do something? Are they? Are your? Are your Nebraska Cornhuskers gonna do something this year, uh, and, and make that game noteworthy? I don't know that, but um, there are three games I don't think they're gonna win. Uh, with you know, with Michigan at Michigan State at Iowa and uh, at Ohio State. The other then there's just you know some toss ups there. I had a very similar first reaction when looking through the schedule. I might be a little more lenient towards Wisconsin for the Northwestern game. Part of that that homerism. We call that homerism, Ben. Partly homerism also. And I know you don't subscribe to this maybe as much as I do, but ESPN SP plus does have Northwestern (laughs) as the 85th team. Like not only are they going to be down this year, but they are going to be super down. Like last year they were down at one Oh six and we saw their struggles throughout the year. I'm not sold on this being the even near year Northwestern team that we've seen for a couple of times go out and win the big 10 West. So I might be more confident in, in that showing, but I looked at it similar. I see seven wins that you can nearly chalk up. The only out of conference game that might give you a little bit of scare is Washington state. Cause they're in the pack 12 and yeah, Cameron Ward, a quarterback should be electric, but their roster around him is really suspect. Right now, Wisconsin is 14-point favorites at home in that game up on FanDuel. So I think it's safe to count that as a win for the purposes of this exercise. I'm going to count Ohio State as a loss. I don't have any confidence they go in and win that game. And then the other four, so there you have seven and one. You would need two to hit this over of, of eight and a half. The final four, the ones you were talking about, Iowa, Michigan State, Nebraska, Minnesota, I have two that I lean no. And that's at Iowa and at Michigan State. And then two of them, I lean yes in terms of winning. That's at Nebraska and versus Minnesota. I think the more interesting way to look at this is because I think a lot of Badger fans looked at the number and there is some juice on it going over, meaning Vegas figures it'll get more action on the over. A lot of Badger fans look at eight and a half and think, oh yeah, they can find a way to win nine games. So I think the better way to talk about this and think about it is, What if the total moved up half a point? What if it was at nine? Zach, do you think Wisconsin has a better chance this year of winning 10 or more games or fewer than nine? If you had to go over under and a push is out of play, do you think they have a better chance of going eight and four or worse or going 10 and two or better? I think with the schedule, I would say eight and four, um, just based on the schedule. And again, 
this is all going to come down to, I have a ton of confidence in their defense, being able to uh, be at the level that they were last year, or at least approach that level. So I think that they're going to stay in almost every game, perhaps maybe outside of Ohio state, just because of Ohio state's offense and, and what it's going to be. I think they're going to be in every single game, but can their offense, do you have confidence in their offense, specifically Graham Mertz to be able to win close games and be able to put up points against quality defenses like you're probably going to see when you face Iowa, when you face Michigan State, when you face uh, uh, Minnesota. So that's that that's where it comes down to me. And what I saw in spring, I, I'm not overly confident at this point. Again, I, I still believe that Graham Mertz can be good. My confidence level in him being great is is way very, very low, but I think he can still be good. And if he can be good, then the offense has a chance to to put up some points against these teams. And then they will win a double digit number of games because they have the defense to do it. But um, my confidence at this point, as we sit here on May 26th, isn't high on that aspect of it. Oh, this sucks. Cause I agree. If I had to pick the over or under nine at this point, I would lean towards the under. And one factor here that obviously the big picture of Graham Mertz and the offense is important. And it is, uh, it's going to be one of the biggest storylines. Also, the fact that we've talked about this a bit, but you go down the stretch of the year, those uh, or the four important games that I'm looking at as ones that will flip the tables, either in the positive way or the negative way, Iowa, Michigan State, Nebraska, Minnesota, three or four of those are on the road. And so far through Graham Mertz's career, and there are weird asterisks here, but he has struggled a bit more on the road than he has at home. 20 now. The tough part here is I, when I look throughout his career, I think, and correct me if you disagree, that he has had one big-time road game in his career. That's at Minnesota last year. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, we, there weren't fans in the stands for the first year of his tenure, right? Like, so I don't I, – I think you throw that entire season out, whether it's home or road. It just – it didn't matter because there was nobody in the stands uh, at most of the places they were at. So – um, yeah, at Minnesota, I guess would be the one big road venue they played in last year. Right. And maybe Purdue last year, but the other ones were Illinois Rutgers. Those don't classify as big time games. And I mean, that's a Purdue program that hasn't beaten Wisconsin since what, like 2004, 2003. Uh, it's, it's been quite some time. So I, I guess a big question I would ask here is, is Graham Mertz able, cause he has shown uh, some good signs at home. Now, the Michigan game was tough, but remember, he got hurt. He got knocked out of that game. The Penn State game was very tough for obvious reasons, the red zone fumbles. But a lot of those struggles and, and the bad numbers last year we saw at Notre Dame, which I classify as maybe a 50-50, a lean road, but I'm talking outside of Camp Randall. The struggles last year were a little more than they were at home. So I, a question I'm asking here, and and it's it's really only going to be answered when we see it go happen, is, can Graham Mertz go into Iowa, who is going to have a really good defense? Don't know about the offense, but will be really strong defensively. Definitely will be a, a pretty good environment there. Can he go into Michigan State? You can say similar things about them. And can he go into Nebraska and play well enough to win? Because I, I think while I don't think I can make a big, say, sweeping conclusion based on his performance home road last year, like I have the numbers in front of me, but the quality of opponent was really weird. And the Purdue game, he only threw five passes, but the one time he actually had a chance to go say, take over a game, get Wisconsin over the hump of say, turning the season around was at Minnesota and it didn't happen. 
So that's yeah. why I think I would lead towards the eight and four uh, path because I'm not confident yet that he can go into a hostile environment and get it done. And then there's, there's very little evidence of that being, being the case, right? I mean, the, the thing is, you mentioned the Purdue game and you mentioned the Minnesota game and that there was a, in that stretch between those two, he was actually pretty good, uh, both home and away. There was, it was serviceable, I guess you could say. It was, it was winning football for him. And uh, in that stretch, they protected him really well. I think, I, I think at times maybe that gets overlooked. I, when you start getting hit the way he has these, these first two years, he's taken a lot of shots. We saw obviously against Michigan, uh, certainly was the case against Penn State, had guys in his lap all day. Notre Dame even got after him. Um, it gets bad quickly. Would you agree with that? Like it gets bad quickly when, when he's pressured. And that's not to say that that's not the case for a lot of quarterbacks, but Wisconsin's offensive line hasn't done a great job protecting them. And if they protect him in those, those tough situations, and I think that they're going to have a better offensive line that maybe we get to see a little bit, uh, a more comfortable Graham Mertz uh, in those environments, as opposed to a guy who's getting uh, knocked around. Now, the great thing would be if it did, it just didn't bother him. Like there's some guys that just doesn't bother and they, they keep on uh, tossing and it doesn't really matter if they're getting hit or not. He doesn't seem to be that type of guy. Um, I'm not calling him not tough. I think he's an extremely tough guy. He's gotten up from a lot of big hits these first two years, but it's human nature to stop looking down the field and start, you know, looking for an outlet to get out of the, out of the pocket when you're getting hit the way he has. No doubt. And I think, uh, I think it's a really good point. And I guess to say something positive about say Wisconsin's chances to win 10 games this year is those three road games. Now, Iowa is set to be very good along the defensive line uh, as they have been for a little while, but Nebraska, despite getting uh, Ochon Mathis, the transfer, they still are thin and there still is a big question mark up there in the trenches uh, and pass rushing. And then Michigan State as well. They hired a guy to be a pass rush specialist. But that was something that they they had sack numbers last year, Michigan State did, but the pressure numbers were really poor, where there were times they would come up with a huge sack. But overall, part of the reason their secondary got exposed last year is because the constant pressure wasn't there. So I guess if you're looking for a positive here, uh, like those last those four games I've been talking about, if you had to answer whether there's a better chance Wisconsin goes three and one in them and one and three. I guess the fact they're not going to be facing, you know, lethal defensive lines could be, could be a positive there. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, this stretch, and I don't know why it always brings back to me, uh, 2014, what will they have left at that point? Right. Uh, what will they have left in the season at that point to be finishing at Iowa at Nebraska, home to Minnesota? It was a, it's a, in 2014, they finished the same way, except it was uh, home to Nebraska at Iowa and then home to Minnesota. And Melvin Gordon obviously ran wild in all three of those games, including the uh, Nebraska game where he put up uh, 408. But then he would, they, they just had nothing left the next week in the Big Ten championship game. You wonder, especially when it comes to Braylon Allen, because we saw him against Minnesota last year, not nearly. Uh, at the same level he had been playing at earlier in the year because he was he was banged up. And uh, I think that's going to be important for them not to not to ride him as much as they they did down the stretch. It was out of, out of necessity last year. You would hope that they have some more options there to allow him to be fresh going into those three games as opposed to, you know, just having to drag them, having him drag them along uh, to wins like he did at the end of last year. 
Yeah, no doubt. And that's why the fingers are crossed for Garendo, Malusi, uh, maybe if Julius Davis gets the backup role for the rest of the guys to help spell him. Definitely agree with that. Looking around the rest of the conference, uh, and feel free to interject here if there are any numbers that stand out. Illinois over under for wins four and a half. And some of these teams, Wisconsin, will face on their schedule. Indiana, four and a half. Iowa is set at seven and a half. Uh, I don't think anyone needs to hear Maryland's over under. Michigan is all the way up at nine and a half. Michigan State, seven and a half. The two interesting ones here, I think, Minnesota and Nebraska, both seven and a half. The Nebraska total, Zach, of seven and a half, that could just be a gross uh, overcorrection in the in the optimistic way, I guess, after what happened last year. They go three and nine. Obviously, the stats say they maybe should have been a good team, but they just <laughs> lost every game. Now they think seven and a half. When's the last time they've won, what, won eight games in a year? It has to have been a while. Uh, I want to say 2016 uh, because they came into Camp Randall undefeated. Uh, that's probably not right, but I'm, I believe, yeah, it is. They haven't had a winning season since then. Yeah. So that was, that was the second year of Mike Riley and, uh, they came in and they lost in overtime to Wisconsin. Um, soldier and Shelton broke up a pass or I shouldn't say Dakota Dixon broke up a pass in the end zone, uh, in overtime to survive that one against Tommy. What was his name? Tommy arm. Was it Armstrong? Tommy Armstrong. Yeah. Tommy Armstrong. Yeah, so they they saved, uh, they held on for that one. But yeah, I, I, the best three win team ever, right? I believe is what you called them last year. Yeah, and that wasn't hyperbole. It was now. I mean, I'm it's a little bit of hyperbole. It's like, I'm not the only psycho on this take, if you will. It, one, most three win teams are horrendous, right? But they actually showed signs of being a really good football team. Vegas really liked them throughout the year. They just found a way to hand away every game, which I will say is part of winning and being a good football team. But in terms of the scale of being the best three and nine team ever, I think it's fair to say that. Have you done a, a deep dive into three and nine teams in, in history of college no. football? All right. No. So then it's, so then it, then it, I don't have time then, for that. It, then it isn't, it isn't really fair to say that. Are they probably one of, you know, maybe a handful? I don't know. Who cares? They were a three win team. They, they uh, were not good. Who I mean, it's it's irrelevant to even talk about them now. Seven and a half this year. I haven't looked at their non-conference schedule, so I don't know what they're going to be facing there. Um, they get Oklahoma and yeah. I believe a couple cupcakes. Yeah, so uh, seven and a half would be uh, quite the over over uh, correction, but they have talent. It's not like they don't have talent there. Um, it's just about actually figuring out a way to win games, and at times that's tough to do for teams, especially when you've lost as much as they've lost. And this is it for Scott Frost. I mean, he needs to, this has to be his year or nothing, right? Yeah, I would definitely think so. The so funny he part be, here. If they, if they do not reach that seven and a half, is he the coach when they come to Madison in late November? Ooh, if they're, I haven't if they're, thought mid season, I've only thought postseason. I mean, if they're horrible, if they're, if, if they're losing games like they did last year or, uh, worse, like they don't show the signs of improvement that you would expect in a guy now in his fifth year, fourth, fourth year, fifth year, fifth year. Uh, will he be the coach when they come to Madison? I, I fully expect him to be the coach. I, I fully expect them to win, probably uh, be above 500 for the first time since 2016. But 
Um, I also wouldn't be shocked if it went the other way with them because they have not been able to figure things out in quite some time. They feel like the next, the next guy is going to be one that brings them back to glory and they just keep on getting worse. Uh, this is my quick, and that is Scott Frost, the coach, when Wisconsin goes there, um, not when they go to Madison, but yes, still. Sorry, excuse me. Yeah, but I could see it going off the tracks in theory, but here's my 15-second uh, projection that no one cares about. They start at Northwestern. They're going to win their first three, Northwestern, North Dakota, Georgia Southern. They lose to Oklahoma when Oklahoma visits there. They'll beat Indiana and Rutgers. They'll be 5-1. and one. Everybody will buy in. They'll probably lose to Purdue because I feel like they normally lose that game. So they're they're five and two, and people think they could be a good team, maybe fringe top twenty five. They beat Illinois six and two. Now all they need, right, is one more game to reach a bowl. If I'm not mistaken, it's seven, right? I'm not crazy. You can go at six and six. Okay, let's say in theory they need another to make a bowl. Then they're going to lose to Minnesota, lose to Michigan, lose to Wisconsin, lose to Iowa to finish six and six. And then Scott Frost goes postseason. Yeah. I don't know. Again, that would be an improvement for last year. So like, why would they, why would they fire him for that? Well, cause he has extra assistance coaching special teams that are the worst unit in the country. Yeah. Again, uh, I think things in Nebraska are going to continue to get better with, with NIL. I think they're going to be able to, uh, put some money that's that team is that school that team is the green bay packers uh of right. nebraska everyone cares about them everyone will throw money at it i think that there's going to be uh i think as the nli nil continues i think they're going to benefit from it uh significantly so maybe they see long term with him that's that's the way it is or they fall flat on their face this year people don't want to throw money at it and uh they need to find a new coach right interesting stuff so Uh, Finally, going through Northwestern, uh, win total down four and a half. Ohio State is 10 and a half, and you have Penn State at eight and a half, Purdue at seven and a half, and Wisconsin. So Wisconsin does have the highest win total in the Big Ten West. Purdue, Minnesota, and Nebraska, and Iowa are all at seven and a half right behind them. So they see it as one of those close races, maybe similar to what last year was. And then you have Illinois and Northwestern down at the bottom. All right, Zach. So earlier today, I, we didn't know we were going to talk about this because I had no idea this would happen, but college football takes a page out of the NFL's book and rightfully so they probably did it better than the NFL because it means more. They released some kickoff times and broadcast partners for a couple games on Wisconsin's schedule. The ones that were released Illinois state to lead off the season at home is a night game, six o'clock on FS one against Washington state. The next week is two 30 on Fox. Then you have New Mexico State, 2.30 on Big Ten Network. We already knew the Ohio State game the next week was on ABC. And then moving forward, at Northwestern and at Michigan State are both either 2.30 or 3 p.m. games. And then home against Purdue is a 2.30 or 3 p.m. game. Do you have any big takeaways from this or instant thoughts? Well, it depends. Uh do you like early games or do you hate early games? Uh, if you love early games, this is not the schedule for you. If you hate early games, this is definitely the schedule for you. But I think it's pretty clear uh, when your team is, uh, when the schedule that you have as a team is not great, you're going to be playing a lot more 230 games, which is a complete reversal of what it used to be. It used to be the marquee games were 230 and 7 o'clock. And now the marquee games are the 11 o'clock, at least in the central time zone, the big noon kickoff. Those are when some of the best games are are on the air. And now with Wisconsin scheduled the way it is, 
not exactly a, a ton of marquee games, especially at home. I guess I'm not overly surprised by uh, the 2.30 or 3. I will say I, I feel like the, the homecoming game against Purdue being 2.30, that feels like always an 11 a.m. game. But um, otherwise, I don't really have any have any thoughts on it. And everyone's you know saying, oh, thank God, no 11 a.m. kicks. Wait till that last month. We'll see. Um, there's some important games there that potentially, potentially could end up in that 11 o'clock slot. I was actually going through this last week to see if Wisconsin would get, it was when they announced the ABC game with Ohio state to see if Wisconsin would get any big noon games. The ones I wrote down were maybe at Iowa. And then maybe when they're at Nebraska, although Iowa, Minnesota's that week. So it kind of depends on where the, where the conference and the division stands. I mean, myself, when I looked at this, listen, I like two thirty games. I prefer them to a large slew of night games. I think it sucks that the night game has to be Illinois state to lead off the season. If you're going to have a night game, I would like it to be a marquee one yet. That has to be said while also understanding that Minnesota is probably their only big time road game or home game, excuse me this year. So even the Purdue game, I mean, that, that doesn't come close to what like that Minnesota game is going to carry a lot of weight. It's obviously Minnesota, but then given where the teams are at, that's, most likely going to have a bearing on who wins the big 10 West. So the fact the night game is, you know, six o'clock on FS one against Illinois state, whatever, not thrilled about it. And then I, myself, like I, I love big new kickoff. I love being in the most, I, I love being in the premier time slot, I guess of the conference, right? Because there's no three thirty sec game. And yeah, you see the, the ABC game at seven, bounce around around the country. But I feel like the big new kickoff has become a, a mostly Big Ten and throwing the Big 12, but mostly Big Ten premier game. And when Wisconsin is in it, I, I don't know. I Proud is not a good word, but it is. I, I get excited when they're going to be in that time slot. So I was disappointed to learn uh, to have my hunches confirmed that most games are going to be 2.30. For those that like to tailgate all that stuff, like two thirty games are good. I like them. Ohio State. I I don't know what it'll be, but it's on the road. I wish they had better games at home so we could get big noon kickoff. That's where I stand. Yeah, and we'll see. Obviously, I think uh, with the divisions likely going away after, I, man, I don't know when that's going to be, but they've removed some of the uh, schedules for twenty twenty three and twenty twenty four from websites. So uh, potentially as soon as next year, I don't know what exactly. Uh, that schedule is going to look like, but you would hope you would hope that the uh, the home schedule that they have this year after last year's was as good as, as anything that they've had to now have the, the one that they're going to have this year. Uh, you would hope it doesn't happen again, but when you, you know, it is what uh, I guess it is what it is. Um, I don't really care. I'll say this. I used to, I used to hate 11, 11 a.m. games because when you would go to games, you didn't want to have to get up super early to, to get down there or to start tailgating or to whatever, you, you know, now, Two thirty. Now I prefer eleven a.m. games because I get there, do the game, do the coverage, go home, and actually have some have some time to go do something else throughout the day. That's not the case. Uh, that that's a selfish point of view, which of course I will always bring. Um, but at this point, there's just not enough games. There's not good games to put at noon. There's just not. Yeah, when I was in college, and I and I was mostly drinking all, for last for these all games, last year. Uh. 2019 was the last time, actually, really. Yeah, uh, but you were in college in 2020, weren't you? 
And in I was in college, but I, I spent the time covering quote unquote, the game quote unquote. Plus there wasn't really any, like there, there wasn't as it, it wasn't like a normal, you, you go out and you're at bars all day there. There obviously wasn't much going on in 2020. Yeah. So I, I do want to ask you this. I saw a tweet about this. I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Um, Matt Bells, who, who writes for Sports Illustrated covering Wisconsin, said that having a lot of 230 games uh, should make travel easier for recruits heading to Madison. Do you uh, like do you agree with that? I haven't really thought about it in that light. Yeah, I mean, you think about where they're they're if they're playing on Friday night and then jumping in a car early Saturday or um, and that type of stuff, it, it can be tough. So yeah, pushing that game back a little bit gives them what another three and a half hours to to work with. Certainly can't hurt. I don't think 11 a.m. games are are helpful for recruiting. Uh, but I think it's to be honest, I think it's about the opponent too. Uh, if you're you're a recruit, would you like to come see a really good game um, against a really good team in a, a really good environment? That type of stuff. I think you probably would take that at 11 a.m. over you know playing New Mexico State at at 2:30. But I don't think it can hurt. It's, it's certainly a good idea by Matt. I certainly don't think it can hurt. Right. And winning obviously helps. Uh, last thing, only a couple minutes uh, left. Again, if you want to have an input or have thoughts heard on something that Zach and I will get into as June and July approach before the season starts, leave a five-star review on the podcast page and in the comment, say whatever the question is or whatever the thought is. We will definitely get to it. Not on radio now, so I can pump up the podcast and not you know, have to read call numbers. So I final thing, I, along with the time announcements that we just talked about, there were a couple bowl, uh, a lot of the bowls, I believe, if not all were announced. And obviously the Duke's Mayo Bowl social team probably does too much most of the time and need to learn their place and, and need to stop all of this hoopla. After years ago, they clearly framed Graham Mertz and used it as a PR stunt to have the trophy broken. Uh, but they did post uh, that the Big Ten and the ACC will be playing in the Duke's Mayo Bowl this year. So, Zach, I wanted to ask you, do you have a, a prime candidate in the Big Ten of the head coaches to win the Duke's Mayo Bowl and get covered in Mayo afterwards? Which I mean, they did a year late, by the way, because Paul Chris should have done it. There's there's literally I, and I remember watching that game and then talking about it because there it looked like there may have been something in there. But again, it's Mayo. It doesn't necessarily go out very quick. We saw last year the winning coach whose name I'm now forgetting. Beamer. Um, was it Shane Beamer? I and, believe so. Uh, and they dumped it on him. And and like the people that dumped it on him were not strong enough to hold the thing up. And it like cut his head because uh, <laughs> they, they dropped it. But I, I thought like, even if you just fill the entire thing up with the Duke's mail packets and drop it, like that would have been fine for Paul Chris and said it was Gatorade or water or whatever it was. Me personally, uh, I think it needs to be Paul Christ. I, I don't necessarily want to go to North Carolina in December, but I would, I kind of would just to see it happen to Paul Christ. Paul Christ, um, wouldn't mind if it was PJ Fleck. Like, I don't think like that's some kind of a, a reward. Like, this is, this should be more of a ha ha, you got mail all over you, dude. Uh, more than congratulations on winning the Duke's mail bowl. It would be more funny, I think it is for, for anybody to do that than it is some kind of a reward. I agree. Um, BJ Fleck was my answer for the reason that I hope they're in the Duke's Mayo bowl. Yeah. But also if you want to go further than that, I want it to be Brett Bielema. 
<laughs> I think that would be the funniest option of all of them. It's great for the people who aren't there and can witness it and, yeah. and aren't necessarily related to the teams. So I hope that Wisconsin does not find themselves in the Duke's Mayo Bowl this year and we don't have to face that potential disaster. So, yeah, that's yeah, where I'm at. A quick question for you before we go. Brett Bielema, percentage-wise, booze to cheers when he shows up October 1st. Interesting. Well, I will note that hmm, the kickoff time was not announced for that game. I game. Just, it feels like an 11 a.m. ESPN <laughs> game. I don't know why. It just does. I feel like the stadium will not be full enough for those reactions to be really heard. Um, I know that, let's say, the students that are closer to my age will not hold as much of a grudge against him, given the fact that they weren't in school, obviously, back when he was coaching. So the fact that they all won't be at the game maybe won't really cater to that. I think there will be more booze. I think it'll be a mix. I think, uh, like I asked for a percentage wise, so I, I'd probably say mm. 60, 40 uh, booze to cheers. Look, it's been a decade. It's been over a decade. Eh, no, it's it'll been a decade this fall since it happened. And what he's had to go through since then, he's been at the lowest rungs of, of what you can be. Like he has taken an absolute karma beating since leaving Madison in 2012. And uh, like, I think eventually he's going to have Illinois be competitive, but uh, and they were competitive in a lot of games last year, but it's been a decade and he's gone through a ton and he's deserved every little bit of it in my opinion. Hmm. But is that because he blocks you on Twitter? It doesn't. It actually has nothing to do with me being blocked on Twitter. Uh, he was, I mean, the way he left, the way he crapped on Wisconsin after he left, uh, and the way the and, the and the karma thing all plays into it. Uh, why there was a lot of distaste for for Brett Bielma at this point, it's been it's been a decade, and he's been at, while Wisconsin has continued to prosper, he did not. He went the absolute other way. Him and I mean, it's not on a level of Gary Anderson going the other way, but it, it's it was pretty pretty bad, and he got paid a lot of money to do it but it was really, really bad for him. Like he could have been coach at Wisconsin for the rest of his life. And uh, he didn't want to do that. And uh, he paid the price for it. Uh, and I don't think people are going to hold it against him because they've been better. <laughs> they have been, they've been better. It, it's not like Brett Favre type of uh, Brett Favre Packers type of like acrimony type of thing where at the end of it, you know, Green Bay came out on top because Aaron Rodgers is really good, and they went and won a Super Bowl. Well, Wisconsin has has not won a big title, to been ten Big Ten titles since then, but they have been a better team and a better um, uh, um, or uh, program than anything that Brett Bielema has been a part of, and uh, so he's much lower on the rung of where when he was a decade ago. So I just don't, I don't think there's going to be that same kind of same kind of animosity if he had turned. Arkansas to a national program or he has Illinois at the top of the big 10. It may be different, but he doesn't. I think people probably don't feel, uh, probably feel bad for him more so than they, uh, than they hate him. Yeah. One thing I will say about that game, I didn't really realize this or think about it. Let's say Wisconsin starts the season three and zero, loses at Ohio state and it isn't much of a close game. They're going to come home pissed off against Illinois that next week. Oh, Yes. And yeah, no, for sure. For sure. I, I, it won't take a lot to, um, I get them, get them refocused 
I'll say. Like, I, if because they are, I, I think that is going to be a tough, tough game for them at Ohio State. I don't think it's going to take much for them to get refocused and get after Illinois coming home for the first time. I mean, getting Brett Bielma and, and all that's that's going to be going around. I mean, all the guys around this team, they have no clue who Brett Bielma was when he was at Wisconsin, just like you don't. So uh, it's probably not going to matter a ton to them, but losing at Ohio State, not wanting their season to go the wrong way, eh, they'll probably come home jacked up and ready to go. Right. All right. Good stuff. So Zach and I are back next Thursday, six to seven. I am almost positive of, if not, something will be updated. It is at Kenny underscore Heilprin on Twitter for all the information you need about the show. He is at Zach Heilprin. I am at Ben Z Kenny on the Twitter sphere. Again, review, subscribe, rate, do all that good stuff uh, with the podcast. Five-star review. Leave a comment. We'll talk about it coming up. Appreciate everyone hanging in. See ya. Kenny and Heilprin, Thursdays from 6 to 7 and on demand at madcitysportszone.com.